What's up guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls episode number 33. My name is James Scully. Today on Breaking Walls, I sit down with enterprise IT technology buyer Donald Thompson for a chat about different ways that we can learn financial literacy. Donnie is somebody who is currently working for the New York, New Jersey Port Authority buying technological equipment in large quantities and therefore that means large dollar values. Now while he gets into the fact that this money that he's working with is not his own money, there are things that he's learned in his time that are easily scalable and translatable to our everyday lives. It's midway through the month in January. It's a good time to talk about financial literacy. Our topic for this month is new beginnings. In 2016, I'm committing myself to being as financially literate as possible because we really can't get away in life without doing so. As I always say, you can get these podcasts by going to soundcloud.com slash thewallbreakers, or you can go to iTunes and search for The Wallbreakers. If you're going to do that, please subscribe, rate us, review us, tell a friend, tell two friends. Word of mouth is the only way these podcasts are getting spread. If you've got constructive criticism, don't be afraid to reach out as well. That's a way that we can get better. If you have suggestions for a guest, please reach out. I'd love to hear it. I'm not going to take up any more time. I want to get right into this interview. I think it's a good one. Donnie likes to say this is by the common man, for the common man, and that's a good thing. So stay tuned for Breaking Walls, episode number 33 with Donald Thompson. What's up, guys? Back on Breaking Walls. My guest today is Donnie Thompson, and Donnie is an enterprise IT buyer. That's correct, right? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds uh, – that's a good uh, working title. Now, what you do is you specialize in buying large-scale amounts of technology for the Port Authority? That's kind of what my working title would be, but essentially what it is is I'm a buyer in the IT, uh, also known as information technology um, category for a large New York, New Jersey municipality. And um, we deal with working in purchasing activities uh, for IT-related products. So that can range from a lot of different things like software, hardware-related, professional services, right? Mm -hmm. um, you need folks to come in on a simple simple level to come in and go ahead and fix your um, your desktop, right? But we do that for um, a large-scale large, large scale agency. So. That would label it as almost like an enterprise scale right. acquisition. So right. that's kind of the background um, of, of what I do and that's kind of my working title. There. But you are dealing with thousands and thousands of dollars. These are large scale amounts of purchases. So there is a high level of responsibility involved in making sure that you get the details right. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's that's a, a major key to it right there. So when, when you talk about, when I talk about buying, right, or, or even just my particular job in, in a layman, who doesn't really isn't familiar? You think of buying; it's it's really no different than buying individually, right? But when you're buying um, in in the setting um, of an organization, you're dealing with higher dollar values, which comes with a higher risk, right? right? So that is kind of where the skills and the expertise lies, and that's kind of where why it's a, it's a bit more delicate of just going to a store and say, "Hey, picking out my jeans," right? You're going to want to, if you, if, even if you're going to buy on a consumer level, just individually, you're going to want to go ahead and say, hey, I want the best price, right? Or I want to make sure this is a quality manufacturer. Right. 
But um, doing your you, homework. Yeah. So, but when you're exactly doing your homework, and but that's sure. your money. You're not if you that's if you buy money. a pair of jeans that you don't like, it's whatever. That's right. That's right. But you know, we all are. Um, everyone in, in any position you have, right? You're always held accountable. So, although you know, I'm not spending my own money. Um, the result of my work and the result of what my team does and my my uh, my group does is um, accounted for. So right. everyone's aware. So you know, when you when you when you're dealing with um, large scale. Or even you know some of the acquisitions are smaller, some some are smaller scale. But generally, you're dealing with um, buying activities that represent an organization. So it's just it, the scale is uh, exponential right? sure. than it would be right. individually. Right. One thing that you said to me off air a little while ago was that, and now the title of this podcast, I'm calling it "Tips for Better Financial Literacy." I think it's a good thing since the new year, everybody has a chance to turn over a new leaf. Did you? Do you have any uh, New Year's resolutions? Anything like that you want to share? Um, I haven't. I haven't thought of anything yet. Usually for me, it's like the the same old cliche kind of resolutions. Uh, maybe I'll get get in shape, cut down on uh, having some cocktails uh, on the weekend, maybe a few nights during the week. But uh, you know, I, I actually haven't thought of anything or specify any kind of New Year's resolution. Um, I just haven't thought about it. I think the holidays That's are just good. so busy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good. It's good. It's good in a way, but it's. You know, I just think you should always be trying. You know, I, I, it's not, just because it's a new year. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that now I should try to make a drastic change, right? Right. I, you should always be looking to cut back here and there, or, or change some things for the better. Yeah. I'm sure I'm. You know, so I guess if I had to say I'm doing one thing, I'm trying to eat a little bit better the new year. The reason why I just asked that was because you were saying to me when we were in the store before getting food, you said, "I want people to know in this interview." that I'm a regular human being and that the financial literacy that I've taught myself is translatable and, and it's easy to pick up. It's not some, because you were saying, well, I, at my job, I do these large scale purchases, but not only is that scalable to everyday life in terms of the tenants that you use to make decisions, but in general, financial literacy is not this incredibly difficult thing to master or would you disagree with that? No, I, I agree. I think so. What we were talking about before and what I was getting to is um, that financial literacy or, or as I like to refer to it as personal finance, right? And just having good philosophy or good methods to your own personal finance, financial habits is something that, that I, I've, I've worked towards, right? So I think a lot of, I think it's, I don't know if it's, if it's something that's necessarily common, but to get to your first point, I think the perspective that I, I have on this subject is um. It's more or less, it's going to be for the common man by the common man, right? I am not necessarily a high net worth value. I wouldn't say at all high net worth value. But I think even, you know, if, if you're a high net worth individual, you, should, you definitely have an interest in taking care of your finances, right? But even if you're someone who's not a high net worth individual. How can you get there without doing it? Yeah, exactly. You know, these are, those are habits you're going to want to have or, or build upon even, even as a regular joke, you know? And... If anything, you should probably be more concerned with where your money's being spent. On, you have on less of it to go around, right? Yeah, yeah, man. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, sometimes um, having poor financial literacy or just like just knowledge as a, as a consumer and just how you're saving your money, how you're spending your money, where it's going, it's a, it's a generational thing, right? So it's something if if you don't if you don't improve on it, it you know, sometimes unfortunately people aren't we aren't taught the right uh, principles to have when it comes to financial management, right? Or just how to manage your personal finance. And 
I think if you if you're if you're someone with a low low level net worth and you know just a common Joe, you should be more concerned. Basically, is what I'm what I'm getting at with where your money's going and how you're spending it, um, what your plan is if you if you if you plan to accumulate money and how you how you're going to save, right? Yeah. Would you say that you come from a family that's very financially literate, or you had to train most of it yourself? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I come from a family that's very financially literate. I come from a working class family. I'm not really in tune with what my my parents' finances are, but I'm sure, like anyone else, I'm sure they have a small amount or maybe a large amount of consumer debt. I'm sure they have some amount of money saved, and I'm sure they have a, a normal cash flow of income coming into some sort. And that's usually the dynamic you'll see with most people. All right, but let me stop you there for a second. Because I've never really even thought of it that way in terms of most people have levels of consumer debt, which is you know credit card debt and things like that. Mm -hmm. Then you've got income saved, which probably doesn't cover the cost of the debt, and you wouldn't do that anyway because even if you did, you'd basically bankrupt yourself, mm -hmm. and then you'd be back in debt. So you, you're, you're basically living off of a certain percentage of whatever you have anyway, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say that. That whole dynamic varies, right? So some folks, and that's just that that's that scenario I just threw out with some consumer debt, some savings, and an income. That's I would I would imagine is a fairly common right scenario for most folks. I'm sure that that skews depending on some folks have no income, no savings, ton of debt, a lot of savings, low low you know lower income debt. Right. So that kind of varies, but that's all kind of within the same uh, general range. General right? range, yeah. Now, would you say that, because I believe that what we all really want in life at the end of the day is happiness. That's what we're all striving for is to, to feel good when you get up in the morning, to not have stress weighing you down. And, and I think it doesn't really matter whatever your passions are. You're passionate about them in one level because they make you happy, but also that you they hope that their existence will in turn bring you happiness. Anyway, point being, do you believe that anybody who's working class, and I'm not talking about anybody born with silver spoon that never has to think about a dollar in their life or where it's coming from, working class people of varying income ranges, is it possible to be happy truly without being financially literate, without knowing that this is how I control my money, this is where it's going? Could you, could you get away with life realistically not having financial literacy? Um, without, yeah. without being taken advantage of. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess uh, without without being taken advantage of or just being happy. I guess so. Um, what I think those are probably two two separate things, right? So I think you will at some point to answer your second part of that question will get taken advantage of, right? I think it's um, me personally. Um, financial literacy plays a role in my happiness. Mm -hmm. Unfortunate. I don't know if that's an unfortunate or, or fortunate circumstance for me, but that's something that I'm aware of, and that's something that I'm in tune with, right? So I am not in the greatest mood if if my finances are out of whack, and that's just particularly me. Some folks aren't aware, you know. So it's one of those things where it's just like um, I don't know. I don't. Well, let me say, let me say this actually. Some people choose to not be aware of their finances. Choose to not look at the state credit card statements, right? Look at the bill or not worry about it. If it's not, if I don't see it, it's not there, right? But it and is I think there. It, it is there, you know, your student loan debt, if you have any, um, your credit card debt, it's there. And I think, you know, even myself, I, I'd say maybe when I was, when I was a, a teenager, right? I didn't take, I didn't take my finances serious at all. You know, I would put off paying cards if I could. I would 
you know, not focus on areas I didn't want to focus on. And it's not until you really um, address and face your uh, finances and, you know, head on until you can really, I think, conquer that. Um, but to, to speak to your, the first question that you, or the first um, statement you made, I don't know if the two things are exclusive, right? So happiness and financial literacy or financial um, or, or knowing your finances and being aware and being in a good financial scenario. For me, it is. I've, I've seen folks who, who were very happy and, right. and from what it appears, didn't, didn't really have um, a, a major grasp on what was going on in, the, in their financial world, right? So I think it really varies in the individual. Um, but I can speak for myself and I think for most people in my peer group, I, would, I, want, to, I want to imagine that um, being aware and knowing um, what your future holds financially and um, having a plan plan for your finances and having some kind of organization must uh, come with a feeling of, of some some level of joy, knowing that you have some kind of stability. Like I think those mind. go peace yeah. of mind, you know, stability. And uh, I think those things go hand in hand. Well, you're also talking about, from your perspective, being an adult. And I don't necessarily mean that specifically your finances, but you're also just talking about it in terms of facing things head on, understanding the picture, you know, being conscious of what you're doing, forming viable plans and then sticking to them. You mentioned being a teenager and we've all been there and I mean we've all I bankrupted myself on multiple occasions. It's only now <laughs> at almost just about 30 that I'm finally like I can't do this because it just keeps the more you do it the further it sets you back. Well and a lot of I think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people run or or try to delay the inevitable as long as, as possible. You know, these things are here with you. You know, you might as well um my suggestion would be, you know, face face it head on. You know, if you're if you're out there and you there's a lot going on. Like I said, you have credit card debt. If if you're if you're if you're a twenty uh, something year old graduating from, from you know college and, and you didn't have the your your, your loans paid for, you didn't have your tuition paid for, um, and you took out loans. So I said that wrong. So if you didn't have your tuition paid for and you took out loans, which a majority of people do. Um, you're graduating with debt, um, and the odds grand are, I graduated with eighty they, grand debt. There you go. That's just, that's a, that's a staggering number. Just think about in itself. But then you know you add to that. You know the numbers. The numbers are there. The statistics are there. You know um, outside of that, most of these most of these graduates are are coming out of school with not only student loan debt, but um, credit card debt, consumer debt. You know, financing a lot of their personal lives and their enjoyment. Um, you know, and, and, you know, when we, we, we came, when we, when we graduated school, we, we, we started out in a time where, um, jobs were scarce. Yeah. I'm sure you can agree yeah. with that. And, um, and it was even tougher at the, at that time. So but you're in, you're a Brooklynite, you're a New Yorker. Native. Yeah. Do you believe that there's a correlation between what we call like street smarts and economic literacy? Like to me, granted we're, we're educated, we're college graduates, you know. We'd like to think we're educated because we went through like 17 years of school at some yeah, point. Yeah. But you don't need to be Joe Science in order to understand economics. A no. lot of this is just simple. It's simple mathematics. It's A and B. It's it's looking at situations and saying, do I really need this right now? Absolutely. And that's that's a key thing to it. I think, you know, I've, I've always like juggled this, this idea and this approach on how to, how to educate people that I care about within my life about finance, right? For my wife, for instance, you know? Um, you know, I obviously have a concern. Not a concern, I should say, but I have um, You're a, I have emotional a vested investment. Interest. I have well, yeah. I have a vested interest in her finances and, and our finances, right? Or right. joint finances and yeah. folk things of that nature. And 
Um, I think I think the approach to finance, the best approach to it is because, you know, some of it is some of it is complicated stuff, but at the end of the day, I think everything can be boiled down into, uh, you know, simple mathematics and just um, having a, an attitude of uh, accountability and just saying, hey, um, I can do without that, you know, or I should be allocating my money here. And it's, sometimes it's like, you know, it, it dives into de- it dives into deeper areas, you know, like, so the goal is financial independence, right? You, you want to be in a position where you don't, you don't, you're not waiting, you know, you're not living check to check. You're not living even year to year financially. You want to, you want to secure yourself long term down the line. You could boil it down to a simple, um, almost like an explain, like a, like a, like a child, child, you could explain it to a child of how it is, you know, you have wants, you have needs, you have a level of income, you have a level of debt. And, and I think a lot of times, you know, when people find themselves in situations that they're not looking to, that they, that they don't want to be in financially. They're living beyond their means. That's a major, major right. key to it, you know, and figuring out what is okay for you and more or less staying in your lane, you know, like figure, knowing um, what financial means you should stay within, you know. As you've become more engrossed in your own economics as you've gotten older, what, what were some things that you can speak on that you were blowing money on at one point in your life? <laughs> <laughs> that you are no longer blowing money on these. Like for okay, for me, yeah. the biggest thing that I actually blow money on more than anything else is food. Rather than bringing my one. lunch, that's a big. One. I'm going to Whole Foods every day because I don't feel like carrying my lunch in the yeah, morning. Yeah, that's yeah. a Tupperware container. My that's heavy. You're not alone. Yeah, and that's real. Alone. Real. Well, it, it's let's say that as an adult, and this is one thing that I need to say. I'm not going to say whether or not that's stupid or not that I decide to do that. But that's my decision right now. And that decision is going to lead to other things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, and that, honest, you know, and, and, and you know, that, that's a big, that's a big one, right? So a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people, um, spend a ton of money on food. I bet you, you know, if I even looked at my, if I went through my statements and I, you know, see, I, I'm, I'm not even detailed to that, that, to that level. Some people are, some people is, you know. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd categorize that as frugal, but you know, some people are that aware of their spending habits that you know they say, "Hey, I they know what they spend on, on every meal they have the other week." They'll they'll even they'll do the old uh, slow right. cook a, they'll slow cook a batch of rice and take that and, and take side. that for the whole week. Take it for the whole week, man. Three three dollars, you know, five dollars for the week. That's my meal budget. But I think food's a big one. Um, if I you know if I, that that's one of my um, those that's definitely one of my major expenses. My wife and I love to go out to eat. Um, and you know, I can't knock the food thing, man. I, you know, I, I like to have a good meal every now and then, and also the convenience of it every day. You know, you work, you know, you travel into the city like like both you and I do on the subway, and that tra- that travel beats you up, and you just don't have the time sometimes to just when you get home to prepare the meals and whatnot. But um, for for me, if I had to go look back, you know, some of my expenses, I'm a, I and you know, and still to this day, I, I haven't mastered my own financial world. Um, I like to think that I have a lot of good principles that I that I like to live by, and I'd like to think that I have I'm aware fully of my my financial um, um, my my financial my financial uh, foundation, what right. you know what I have going on currently. But um, I'd say uh, you know I, I I like you also have to find that balance too. You want to enjoy your life. You want to do what makes you happy. Right. But you just have to be doing it within reason. You have to do it within reason. So at the end of the day, I think it all—it's really a balance, you know. Like I, some of the things I—I I love going to a sporting event. I love going to a movie. I love going out and enjoying myself. If I'm gonna go out and if I'm gonna make the decision to go out for a night, wherever it may be, if I'm going out to meet with friends, to have drinks, enjoy the night, go dancing, 
Um, I'm gonna. You're gonna I'm spend gonna, money. I'm gonna spend the, yeah. I'm gonna spend the money. That's you just can't the decision do it every I make. That's yeah, exactly. You know, that, that's kind of my balance. You know, right? I'm not gonna limit. I'm not gonna not go out. I'm not gonna uh, ever, or I'm not gonna just you know not allow myself to experience some of the joys of enjoyments of life. Um, but I'm gonna limit myself. You know, maybe uh, I'll go out this weekend and I'll stay in next week and catch a movie. But um, I can I don't know if I can go into detail about. Well, <laughs> it's on my back. no, but uh, you know, it's funny. Obvious. Well. Whoever's listening might not know this, but you and I are, are good friends. That's right. Yeah. But I also, while we talk about a lot of things, finance is not necessarily something that we sit down and talk about directly together. But one thing we do talk about is consciousness. Yeah. And to me, what's coming out of this conversation immediately is, and I'm not a control freak so much in life anymore. I think you kind of got to let things ride. Or when you make decisions, let them ride. You may, Trust yourself. You made a decision. Let it ride. Yeah. Don't second don't guess yourself. Up. Yeah, right. Don't yeah. Don't so don't much. ever second guess yourself for taking risks and choice. You, that's the only way to learn from things. Yeah. But to me, it's almost as if if you are not going to be conscious of your decisions, if you're going to choose to not pay attention, that money is the most direct way you'll be controlled. Instead of controlling aspects of your life, if you if you control your money and, and you're in good standing. It brings peace of mind, etc. But if you don't, then you feel like you're being controlled. And that could happen in various ways. But it seems like money is a very specific, easy-to-look-at way. Like, this is my debt. This is how much money I have type way. I feel controlled when I don't have any money. I feel good when I have several thousands of dollars or whatever. Right. That's right. And it's also, also you know, how you perceive things. I mean, you know, you, a lot of times, you know, you, you, look out, you look at other folks. You may look around and you say... Uh, this appears to be something that I don't think it is, or that appears to be what it is. And I think another part of it is that a lot of people need to realize that a lot of people get caught up in what they what they feel appears to be. You know, everyone's everyone's doing great. Everyone's got so much. Well, money. we live in that curated life. Like Facebook is all front page curation. It's yeah. It's it's only it's only the um, the highlights. You know, you don't see the lowlights, right? You don't right. see the the reality or the realness behind. Um, a lot of those, a lot of the social media that we have, right? And just some of the interactions that we have. But I think, um, I think you put it. Now you're a guy who doesn't have Facebook anymore. You got rid of Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not really big into social media. Um, well, let me ask you, cause I, in the time that I've known you, you've not had Facebook, then you activated it for a little while. Yeah. Sometimes you go on your wife's just to, to yeah. catch up with the, the social media world. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I've been slowly and surely getting rid of social media as a, not just an everyday occurrence, but it seems like we're all connected to it multiple times an hour at this point in our lives. The more I disconnect from it, the more at ease I feel. As somebody who works in finance, but also doesn't have Facebook, and you know what it's like to have Facebook or any of these things, when you're not so busy looking at other people's highlights, then you don't worry about that stuff anymore, right? Absolutely. I think that's a big, big thing, you know. I'm not really against social media. I have access to some platforms of social media. Right, Twitter, some of, Instagram. You know, yeah, some, some of, even LinkedIn, I guess you can consider like form yeah, of social media in some sense. Things like Instagram, Facebook, they never really did it for me. And like, I think it's just, it presents a world. I think it's dangerous for, for people who are, who are weak-minded, I guess, uh, for lack of better words, because um, I think it presents this false reality. Right? That you're not living. That you're not living. And it's easy to say, well, well, hey, man, I'm not living this way. Everything else looks great. And, and what's going on with my world, right? 
Maybe I'll buy stuff and it'll make me feel better. Maybe I'll run up a credit card, you know, and not worry about this and just live in the now and not really think about the ramification that it has in my life or the effects, the long-term effects that may have. And I think it's very easy to do that, you know, if you're not aware of what you deem is real or what I think is real. I think for the most part, I would say the majority of us in our bracket are, are, are working class people, right? I think like I, that scenario I, I, I saw that I um, mentioned in the beginning. Income, cash flow, you try to save money. Obviously, it's expensive to live in New York City. So you have to allocate a certain portion of your money to rent and expenses. But then um, a lot of people have consumer debt, you know, for my, myself. I have, I have student loan debt that I'm sure a ton of people deal with. Um, How much would you say cost of living affects financial literacy? We live in New York and it's incredibly expensive to live here and it does make it harder to save money. Granted, my mother lives in Arizona. The cost of living is way lower. She makes less money, but it seems also that your money goes further in places like that. So is it even, um, don't shop at Whole Foods, shop at Seatown. Oh man, I have a, I have a whole, Whole Foods, man, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost positive they overcharge me with portobello mushrooms that I got last year. <laughs> yeah, man, some, for some reason, whenever, you know, whenever you, whenever you, they, 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 they weigh it at Whole Foods, they weigh the food, I'm always getting all these wrong prices. I leave there, Whole Foods, two or three bags. 150 bucks later, I'm barely fed for a day. It feels and a half. almost impossible. It feels, to spend less than yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've got to be for Whole Foods. Man. Okay, okay, but now and I and I eat very healthy. It seems for some reason it's more expensive to eat healthy than to eat like crap. But, I don't agree. I don't agree. But, with that, but you have yeah. to be smart. Like you're saying, um, you know, people, you know, or in theory, guys what? who make slow cooker brown rice and have that for the week. But if you want to be smart about where your money's going, something like a brown rice is a good thing to buy because you buy it in larger quantities. It's healthy for you. You can make it as it ha You know what I mean? I yeah, I think, and I think it takes it takes a little bit of commitment, right? So if, you, if you eat out, if you eat out every night, living in New York City, um, and you're living spending independently a week. on your own, um, it's gonna take a hell of a lot of money to fund that kind of a lifestyle. Right. Right. That's that's simple. If you go out, if you you know so. And is that necessary to you? You know, not, yeah. not you specifically, yeah. I just mean the yeah. audience. Is that necessary? You know? Yeah, is, is that necessary? Do you really have that, to do that? Do you really have to do that? You know, you have to, there are sacrifices, there are commitments, but generally, um, I think you, you know, when it comes to, you know, so the cost of living is, is real. We're advocating being, just being smarter about it. Uh, understanding, well, the more the more you understand, the easier it is to start you're, to you're, realize, you're, like, I don't really need that, I'll, I'll get this instead. You should... The, the, the one thing I preach is just be a mindful consumer, right? Know where your money's going. Right. Don't just don't just shell out cash here and shell out cash here and have all kinds of money being deducted from your account. Hopefully you have an account to begin with, you know. If you don't, that's a start. One of the principles I would definitely give out, um, and I think this is a fairly simple one, is, you know, make sure your money has um, a name to it. Every dollar should have a destination of where it's going to, whether that's savings, whether it's rent, whether it's food. A simple budget. A simple budget is a, is a good place to start, you know? But you just said, make sure your money has a name to it. Naming it, aka claiming ownership of it, you instantly take more responsibility and care more about it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, that's a deep dive into your finances. That's saying, I'm aware. You know, you, you work hard. People, you work hard for your money. And um, I think, you know, you owe it to yourself to be responsible and to, to put forth the effort, assign your money, and give yourself an opportunity to to budgeting and get a little bit ahead of the, ahead of the curve, and, that, and that's a major key to it. Creating a budget. Um, a do, you, do you live on a budget? 
Or do um, you have a budget? Like I have a budget. Of- so my budget's a little bit um, elastic in that, you know, I it, 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 it sometimes it, it goes up, sometimes it goes down. But I try to stay within the same um, range. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm recently married. And so with great power comes great responsibility, right? Exactly. So when I, when I got married to my wife, instantly um, our household income doubled, right? So, this, but also so the, the, spending doubled, the spending and the expenses doubled. Right. And it's just that much more to account for. We do live on a budget. I think it's, you know, and, and, and to live on a budget, I think there's like this negative connotation to that. Like, why do I budget? Well, you know, I could spend what I want to spend. You know, it's, listen, folks with a lot of money care a lot about their money. And that's they know why they have a lot. And that's why they have a lot of money. That's one thing I can tell you for sure. And by the way, they want you to not care about that money because when you throw it away, somebody picks it up. That's right. That's right. You know, I'm not going to get into like poverty and right. uh, the generational um, problems that we have in the society and world, but you can have a poor mentality. That's a real thing. Just having a poor mentality and not caring about your money and not caring how you spend it. That's like not and, caring about yourself. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I'll tell you, man, uh, I think the statistics would show, I, I, don't, I don't know this offhand, so I'll probably speculate a little bit, but I, I would bet that folks who don't make a ton of money spend their money frivolously. And I, and I would say, you know, it's a check to check kind of kind of thing. And I, I know it's a very general statement. It's probably not fair to say that. But I've come across that. I've seen that. I've seen folks, you know, who really don't don't earn a lot. And it's just like, ah, eh, I'll buy this. Eh, I'll buy that. And I'm, and I'm sure that's not always the case with everyone. And that may be very ignorant, general generalizing statement. But on the other side of that, it's it stands to reason that a large percentage of people with a lot of money are very conscious of their money. Yeah, that, 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 that's be, why they still. That would be the counterpoint to that. Yeah, I think exactly the folks that I've the folks that I've come across and the folks that I know who earn a high level of income have a lot of assets. They care about where their money goes, and they're conscious and they're cognizant of every every dollar that's spent. That's the key to one to, to hopefully the goal of having financial independence. You know, the other thing about consciousness, too, as I've gotten older and I find that I'm more conscious of everything that I'm doing, once that happens, I can't spend money the way I used to when I was younger. Totally. Because I now totally I know agree. what I'm doing. And if, and if I blow money on something, it's a conscious decision. And by blow, I, I bought clothes today. I have clothes. I don't need these clothes. I wanted these clothes. Yeah. All right. You gotta treat yourself. Every now yeah. Right. Sometimes, right. And, that, and that's what and we're talking about. Balance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We just you just have to keep things like you're saying. The elastic range of your uh, budget is, in a lot of ways, a properly governed life. In that way, don't be so rigid that you are a miser and Ebenezer Scrooge. What good does that do at the end yeah. of the day? But, you gotta live your life a little bit. Right. Just find the, find the happy medium. Well, you know, I said, this is something I mentioned to you before in the past as well. If I could have something um, be done over my life, and it's not at any fault of my own, I don't really think. It's just that I wish that, and I, and I don't know what, what the curriculum currently is in school, but I think personal finance and you know taxation, uh, how much of your money goes to the government, how much of your money you should be putting away, 401ks, pension. A lot of people don't even understand these terms. You know, A lot of people just pay into them blindly, don't know, don't really manage where their funds are going. Um, a lot of people do know are, and are aware, right? So this may not apply to, to our peers necessarily, but you'd be surprised how many people don't realize the power of compound interest, right? And 401ks or Roth 401 or Roth IRAs and all these different um, long-term saving savings. And, you know, there's people, there's people um, retiring with no money, no money to retire, you know? And 
they can't retire, really. You know, some people can't retire, and you know, how, how could you? You know, and and at some point, you, you know, you, you either want to enjoy the fruits of your labor later on at the end of your life. That's another one. So back to that four one k. You know, the, the the numbers are there. The math is there. If you put money into your four hundred one k or whatever other investment vehicle, long term a retirement investment vehicle, I should specify, in your early twenties when you start working, man, you you don't even have to really load it up. You know, eight percent maybe, seven percent. You'll be a millionaire. Be a millionaire by the time you're fifty years old. Maybe even two times over, depending on how much you put in or how what your income level grows to. Right, and how what the interest levels are. And how the interest level goes. And, and a lot of people don't don't realize. Um, the power of that, and just you know the the compound interest. You do the you do the math, you do the numbers, and 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 the money's there. And you know, unfortunately, that's something that wasn't necessarily taught to me, um, or or beat into me well enough um, at a young at a young age. You know, through schooling. And I just I don't know if that's you know maybe just a fault of the curriculum that I grew up under, but I just I think a lot of people fought, find themselves in that boat because you know, um, it's it's a it's a it's common. It's common that folks don't even save for their retirement. Don't even save for life after after work. Yeah. Right? We're talking a lot about uh, taxes and, and accounts. Do you have an accountant? Because we're entering tax season shortly. That's right. Do you have an accountant that you use? I do my own taxes. Okay. I do my own. My, is that a source of stress for you or is this is that easy for you? No, it's very liberating. Very aware of where my money goes. I'd like to say I'm very aware of where my wife's money goes. Um, I feel comfortable doing my own. You know, like I... I, I I've um, dedicated a lot of my time in educating myself on how the tax system works. It's a it's a very complicated tax system, so uh, hopefully someone comes along in the, in the next election and kind of straightens it up a little bit. But um, but I'm very aware of how the tax system works, my income, um, and also you know to be quite honest, I don't have a ton of assets where I would require uh, that level of expertise mm -hmm. um, in accounting. For my my scenario, but um, I do my own taxes, and for if me, someone's it's not, not a source of stress. It's well, okay, but if somebody finds it to be a source of stress, would you suggest finding a competent accountant? I don't know if if H and R Block. I've never used. I have an accountant. I have a personal accountant yeah. that I've done my taxes for since I was in college. But yeah, well, you know, you, you could you should find a a good accountant if you feel you need one. Don't I wouldn't go ahead and making an error or doing something I wouldn't, I wasn't sure of, but I think, you know, so I'm of the mindset that the more knowledge you have about your situation, the more comforting that is. Sure. So I trust myself more than I trust anyone else. And that's not to say that, um, a certified accountant would, you know, not be a trustworthy individual. Um, but I happen to feel more comfort knowing that I am aware of what's going on in my finances. Um, and, and I also just happen to know um, how, how to do my how, how to do my, my, my taxes and right. my finances. But um, yeah, you know, if, if for folks that are not educated, a I would say you should take an interest yeah. in, in your money, and you should take an interest in how much money you're paying to Uncle Sam. Because somebody's taking an interest in your money if you're not. Oh yeah, Inter an interest-free loan, as I like to call it. You know? Right. The, the key is, for, for me at least, is I would love to break even at the end of tax season, meaning. That I gave no more money to the government than I needed to give, and the government doesn't owe me. And and basically, the, the, you broke even. That in itself is I don't, I'm not owed a return, so I just broke even. Um, because what that is to me is um, any extra money going to the government is, is a tax-free loan on my behalf. Right. And 
there's better places I could use that money to right. uh, so, give myself a return. So basically, if, if you get a return back from the government, fine, great. Yeah, but, so, the, so, but the goal is to break even. That, the, the rest of it's uh, house money. That's a classic one to me. Like I, I, I've said this to several people before, and a lot of people say, well, you know, it's like a savings account for me. Uh, the government's going to give me money back on the other end, so it's like they're saving money and taking it from me. And that to me is, you know, you know. Yeah, but you could use that for the course of the year. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That, that's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. But that just gives you an idea and the perception that people have and the knowledge that people have of money. It's to them, it's, um, you know, in their mind, they see that as someone saving money for them. So, but that's, me, a, that's fluctuating. Yeah, you don't, and, you're not guaranteed what you're getting back. You don't know how much you're getting back at the end of the year. Yeah, they just know they're getting it back. If I pay, if I if I pay an absorbent amount of taxes, if I pay, you know, I just circle zero. I uh, circle zero. Oh, you're talking about claim independence. Well, well, it's all it all ties in together, right? Right. So, but circle zero means you claim zero dependence. Claim zero dependence, but for instance, if you if you have if if you claim zero in the dependence, that means the government you, takes the most. You out. are going to overpay your taxes. Right. Right. So if I claim one. That means you I'll probably overpay a little bit. Right. If I claim two, and I'm just giving a generic example. If I claim two uh, dependents, maybe I'll break even. That's where I want to be. Right. So it, just because you claim the dependents doesn't mean you have doesn't mean you you're technically providing for two for two two independents. But the goal is um, to to know your money, know your tax scenario well enough, know your bracket. What level you're being taxed at, to know how much money you're paying to the system every year, and now there's a lot of work that goes behind that. And there's a lot of there's a lot of dedication to, to know that kind of information. Um, I happen to be interested in it, right? But that's that to me is a, is a is a is one of those simple examples. Like you know, like I said I think people look at it like it's a a foreign language. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to say that now you're a finance guy, so it's what you're around all day. So it makes sense to me that you're doing tax. But I just want to say to people. Now, I'm not completely financially illiterate, but because I have a personal or semi-personal relationship with my accountant, he's done my taxes and my, my family's taxes every year for me personally since college. Because I have a personal relationship with him at any other point in the year, and even though I freelance, I, I, don't do, I haven't been doing quarters. I've been doing yearlies. And no disrespect to the accountants out there. And if any accountants want to want us to plug them, you know, <laughs> you know hit, hit, hit James's advertising department. <laughs> yeah. But the point being that I can call him at any other point in the year with a question that helps me gain more literacy in the end because absolutely. I have absolutely. A fine, so it, it's good sometimes if you're if you're not. It's good to develop that relationship. Yeah, if you don't feel comfortable about how to do your taxes or whatever, try to find somebody that you feel comfortable to do them for you that absolutely. you can have a personal relationship a with. Absolutely, and in fact, if you have someone that you, that you, tr that you think is trustworthy that you have a good relationship with, or you, you feel you have a good relationship with, I'd recommend asking all those questions. Ask, you know, that that's part of the way that you learn, you know. Um, I learned a lot of what I do know from my own personal research, but having mentors and having people that said, hey, this is what it is, you know, and this is what's going on. And I think that it's a great resource to have. You know, like, yeah, the H&R Block, I, I don't know what that kind of scenario is. I think, to me, that's more of like a commercial, just accounting, you, you jump in, you jump out. I, I don't know if you have a long-term relationship with, the, with those folks. Someone told me as a joke. I don't know if it's serious, but it's like uh, it's like college interns that just go in. So I don't know if that's the most reliable source to play with. I don't know. No disrespect to H and R Block. Right. Your ads are welcome here too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do agree. I think I think um, if you have an account, it's a great resource. Ask the questions you want. The tax code is very complicated. 
taxation and tax is for the wealthiest folks in this country the biggest avenues to wealth. I mean, knowing where your tax money and knowing how to dilute, camouflage your that assets. That stuff is very real. Absolutely, very real. A large portion of a lot of the wealthy, wealthiest individuals in this country spend more money in, in protecting their money from taxes than, than anything else. That's being very smart, knowing how to move your money around. Now, whatever these people's personalities are, I'm not getting into that. The point being, what you, the point you just made is, don't look at what these people do and say, oh, well, they're rich, you know, blah, blah. No, no. There's Build your wealth. Start right. building your wealth Understand, now. right, yeah. exactly. And understand how to get there. I mean, if that, yes. I don't want to cut you short, but... No, you're right. That's exactly what I would have said. You know, I, I think just like in the beginning, you know, when you, when, you, when, you, when you have a lot of money, you want to make sure you preserve it. When you don't have money, um, you should be even that much more on the ball. And right. That much more aware of where your dollar goes because you know you have you know you have less of it to get to, to mess to play around with. Yeah. And wealth is something that's built over time, and that's the that's the real key to it. Investing your money in things that you're passionate about and know about already, because you're going to be more like yourself. To, like yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to one put of, it. One of the best investments you can make. Yeah. Absolutely. That's how I like. That's how I like to justify college for me. Okay. Right. Do you have any anything you want to plug? Any any books that you recommend to people? Anything in particular to help people gain better financial literacy if they're looking for it? I have a bunch of, of books that I that I've I've gone to in the past, um, but it's been a while and I, they're probably just on my bookshelf. I don't have anything really to plug personally. My LinkedIn, uh, Donald Thompson. Yep. Um, and you'll see that it's an IT buyer. Um, sure. I have no personal social media to plug. Like I said, this is more of a common man for the common man. Well, by the common man for the common man. Um, and this is just uh, my perspective as uh, a young working professional who, who lives day, you know, day to day like anyone else. And I think the experiences that I go through and the things that I go through may resonate with a lot of your, your readers or, or your viewers. I hope it does. Yeah. And I hope that there's something to be gained from it. But um, I think, if anything, it's just that, you know, uh, I'm an individual just like a lot of you, and I, I, I know that when I see when I see peers of mine that take a particular interest, the progress in their life, or um, being organized, being financially literate, it sparks something in me, and it makes me and it makes me say, you know, I, I could do that too. It's part of being on the ball. It's part of being on the ball, right? And it's it's just you know it's something that I you know I, I'm very much a, a person who's like you know, if if that person's doing it. Why, why can't I do it? Why, why shouldn't I focus my attention? Why do I not have the commitment to, to progress myself in the same kind of fashion? Just be secure in who you are. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for deeming me worthy Absolutely. to be a part of the podcast. Thank you, Donnie. Donnie, I want to thank you for taking the time to sit and talk. I hope you guys learned things today. I absolutely learned things. And... Donnie's somebody who's been my friend for 10 years now, and while I mentioned during the podcast, he and I don't necessarily have long-winded financial conversations when we see each other. We talk about things related in that regard, but I still learned a lot about him, how he thinks when it comes to money, and I also learned skills and little tips for myself there that I can use to apply for the rest of the year and the rest of your life, my life, your life, everybody's life. Thank you, Donnie. I really appreciate you taking the time. I hope you guys appreciate it as well. So I want you to keep getting out there, guys. Keep breaking those walls, enjoying the winter. Try to get out there if you can. If the weather is permitting, do some good things. Break those walls. And until next time, guys, which will be February 1st, 
I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much. Thank you.